Hello, welcome to another episode of Hope with Danny, a podcast dedicated to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Okay, uh, we are really privileged today to have one of my closest friends, son, talk about his journey and his story. And it's an unbelievable story, so stick with me because you won't take this with you anytime. I do want to recognize our business partners and our charitable partners uh, just because they're important to us. Our business partners are the Athens Area Chamber of Commerce, the Oconee Area Chamber of Commerce, and our charitable partners that were real special to us is Lydia's Place here in Athens, Wounded Warrior Project, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, and Camp Southern Ground, which my middle son attended. Uh, he's a veteran. Uh, so here we go. Uh, when you take the words miracle, hero, hopeful, inspiring, you put them all in one jar, you've got our guest today, Russell Vandiver. Uh, he has uh, done so much, it's hard to get it in 30 minutes, but we're going to try our best. But he is the proud son of Chip Vandiver. And Chip Vandiver uh, is a good friend of mine from Darlington. We met in Darlington 55 years ago and uh, have kept that relationship for a long, long time. We're going up for our uh, actual uh, alumni trip uh, this October. And uh, I met him then, and uh, he, he was the illustrious governor Ernie Vandiver and Betty Vandiver's son, still is. <laughs> uh, and I got to know them fairly well when I would go home for the summer and I'd pick Chip up in Livonia and go by to see Governor Vandiver and Betty Vandiver. And uh, I got to know them better then. Uh, and we would embrace, except for when we came back from that trip. Then they didn't know, want to know all the details. But... <laughs> They're great people. They're, they they have uh, really inspired me throughout my life, and I'm uh, really fortunate to have known them. Uh, along that line, I, I will mention something that uh, I have not mentioned in any of our episodes. I have a nickname. My nickname is Red Ant, uh, and I got that nickname in 1965, I think it was, from a classmate of mine, Mitchell, and he said, uh, you know, you're nothing but a little Red Ant. I said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you got red hair and you're not so big. So we're going to call you Red Ant. And it's stuck uh, for 55 years. I still have people like my good friend Chip Vandiver call me that. And um, that makes me happy. It really does. Uh, So moving along, uh, we want to talk about Russell Vandiver and all of his good good things that he's accomplished in his lifetime. Uh, What about growing up in northeast Georgia and being the grandson of a former governor? What was that like? Well, you know, uh, I was born in Anderson, South Carolina, and uh, grew up in Livonia, Georgia. And, you know, it's like my my grandpa's name is, uh, you know, all over the city. And, uh, you know, that was always something I was really proud of, and and he loved – Livonia, you know, so much. That's where he grew up all his life, and it's where he came back after he uh, left the governor's mansion. Uh, honestly, it was kind of it was kind of a, a mixed bag, Danny. Uh, you know, I was certainly proud of my grandpa's accomplishments. Uh, 
you know, sometimes I'd get some, uh, some flack from my, my classmates, you know, just because, uh, I was the grandson of the governor and they thought maybe I was, you know, thought I was better than them or stuff like that. But that, you know, that certainly wasn't the case. It was just a, uh, you know, a thing of, a thing of circumstance. Uh, but, you know, I got to do a lot of special things, uh, you know, through my grandpa being who he was. Well, and you should have, and and I know that Chip was very proud of him, and you were too. You know, your grandma, uh, after your granddaddy uh, passed on, I went to Livonia one day, and I wanted to take her out to lunch, and I didn't know if she had time or anything else, but I did take her out to, is it the Amish restaurant there, or, or what? what is the restaurant? Uh, Main, Main Street 211, I think. Yeah. 211 Cafe or something like that. Yeah, and I think it is an Amish uh, restaurant. You talking about good food? They don't make it any better than that. Uh, especially the desserts, you could eat them all day long. But I did take uh, Betty. She met me there at the Amish restaurant, and we had a great talk for about two hours. Uh, I, I respect her so much, and I enjoyed getting to know her even better. And uh, you got a great grandma too, uh, no question about that. Or you had a great grandma. Uh, I I, uh, I I do say that uh, y- your grandfather was. Pretty well known throughout Georgia for his accomplishments, even to the point that he got a highway. Didn't he get a name for him? Uh, uh, Eighty-five. Well, his, uh, yeah. So uh, his dad. Uh, there's a stretch of highway there in northeast Georgia. You know that's that's his name. And then my grandpa, he's got the uh, the interchange there, right there at the. Uh, you know, at the highway where all the ramps are. Well, nobody's ever going to forget the Vanderbilt name. And if you talk to uh, Georgians have been around a while, they know exactly who he is and what he accomplished. Uh, he, he he was a great man. Uh, what about growing up in Northeast Georgia besides that? Um, you had the opportunity to go to Darlington, my, uh, my school that I, Chip and I went to, and you decided not to go. Uh, what was that about? Yes, sir. You know, I mean, my dad always, uh, you know, him and my uncle Bob Russell uh, always harped on, uh, you know, going to Darlington, you know, to so I could get into Georgia and to, to prep me for the future. And to be honest, you know, growing up in Livonia, Georgia, uh, it's just such a tight knit community. And uh, I grew up with a really great friend group, you know, playing sports and going to church there at Livonia First Baptist Church. And, uh, you know, I, I visited Darlington and uh, it was it was a really really nice place, and uh, I think I could have done that, but I just had such a tight knit group of friends uh, there in Livonia, uh, and you know, I just uh, I didn't see it, you know, as a, a necessary uh, step for me. And uh, you know, might I have been better at math if I had gone to Darlington? Absolutely, but uh, you know, with not going to Darlington, I got to spend. Uh, more time with my mom and dad and uh especially my grandmother and my uh aunt beth right there in franklin county for you know four years that i wouldn't have otherwise and so i'm very grateful for that and i uh still got into uga regardless so well i can respect that i can tell you from personal experience if had i not gone to darlington i probably would not have gotten into uga because i'm I'm not the smartest guy on the block, but uh, it was a great experience for me. I came home after my junior year, and it was so much fun like you were having in Livonia. 
that I was having in Athens with my friends and all like that. And I said, Dad, uh, it's been a great year up at Darlington, but I don't think I want to go back. Well, you can imagine what he said. He said, I'm going <laughs> to send you back. I'll put you on the buses if I have to, but you're going back. And thank goodness that I did because I continue to meet great friends like Chip. And uh, we carried that relationship, by the way, right on to uh, fraternity, Phi Delta Theta at the University of Georgia. And all of our Darlington folks uh, that went to University University of Georgia were able to get into the Phi Delts, and we had four great years there. And uh, thank goodness Chip was smart enough to go to law school and do all the things that he's done there. And by the way, didn't your sister go to Darlington? My my sister, uh, Regina Lee Vandiver, did go to Darlington, yes, sir. And she also went to Georgia. Okay, so you could, your family was smart enough to get in UGA whether you went to Darlington or not, and I really appreciate that. Uh, but Darlington <laughs> has meant a lot to me. Uh, I, I really wasn't able to send my kids to Darlington because it was a little bit expensive, but I did send one to Athens Academy for about seven years, so uh, he got that benefit and then went on to become a mechanical engineer, and, and the story continues. Uh, let's talk uh, a lot about your journey as an art artist. Uh, now, did that start in high school, or how did that work out? Uh so that honestly started, uh, you know, probably, you know, when I was in elementary school, uh, you know, we always had the, uh, the talent show there at Livonia elementary school. And, uh, you know, I always kind of felt like I was, uh, born an entertainer, you know, I loved, I loved singing and, uh, performing and, uh, you know, I had five, five good performances there at LES, uh, some that are still talked about today, including, uh, a rendition of Ain't No Mountain High Enough that uh, me and my sister did. And she came back from Darlington to do that with me. Uh, so that, that's kind of where it all started there. Well, for you, there really isn't Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Uh, that you can't uh, cross that mountain and go down the next valley and get to the next mountain. Now, that was a good song for y'all to uh, perform. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, my grandpa in uh 05 maybe it was 04 right before he passed i i really wanted to uh you know start learning how to play guitar you know my dad was always a a really good guitarist and i loved hearing him play and the christmas before he passed away uh you know i had on my list uh, a a guitar you know from santa claus and uh you know he he told my dad he said get that boy uh you know, whatever guitar he wants. I mean, I was, I was 12 years old and, uh, I got a Gibson SG and, uh, you know, I really started trying to pick it up and, you know, start, start picking from there. Well, now, now wait a minute, let me make sure I got this right. Your dad didn't play musical instruments, did he? <laughs> Apparently not around, uh, you and the other, uh, Fidel guys, or maybe he picked it up after, after law school, I'm I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah, man, he uh he he wrote many many a song, and uh, you know he was he was more of a he was singing you know classic country, you know Mr. Bojangles, uh, you know Van Morrison, and uh, some George Jones among others. Well, now I knew him for a lot of things, but it sure as heck didn't have anything to do with music. So <laughs> you're telling me something that I didn't know until now, uh, so specifically that he wrote some songs. Man, 
That's fantastic. You don't have to sing them. Just write them, and they'll go on forever. So I can I can appreciate that. Uh, now, let's let's move on a little bit with your musical uh, uh, talents. Uh, great experiences in uh, grammar school. Uh, continued to get that uh, experience on with a guitar that you got for Christmas. Uh, what about some gigs that you did? Is this during your uh, UGA experience or after that you? Uh, it's uh, d- uh, during. Okay. What... Uh, so I was uh, in the SAE fraternity uh, there in Athens, and uh, the first band I was ever in was uh, was called Big Milk, and uh, it was with uh, four of my fraternity brothers and uh, one of my best friends uh, from. Franklin County uh, played the bass, and uh, we played uh, multiple gigs, uh, you know, around town. And uh, we played at uh, Shower Cap, which was the big, the big party there at SAE. And uh, so that's kind of where I got my start uh, there in Athens. And then uh, I don't know chronologically uh, how I should put this, but after I uh, came back from uh my cancer belt i met a whole a whole nother group of friends and we formed a group called odd street and uh that's probably where i got most of my experience you know we played the georgia theater twice played uh the 40 watt uh you know on the uh road to bonnaroo competition we came you know got to the semifinals and got you know put out after that round but uh you know, and played countless gigs at the Caledonia Lounge and uh, the Foundry as well. Well, I got to go backwards a little bit here. You said you pledged SAE, and everybody knows about the shower cap. My sons have been to that. But I thought that your dad was a Fidel. And was that any controversial uh, time at all when you pledged SAE instead of Fidel? Well, when uh, when I went through uh, during... Uh, summer rush uh fidel was coming off of uh some sort of you know uh suspension or something or another i don't know uh you know what happened here in the early 2000s or what but they weren't even a thing you know five years before i got to school and uh so by the time i got there uh you know they just they weren't uh i guess as as prominent or 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 what have you and uh you know, a lot of uh, my other side of the family on the Russells, my uncle Bob Russell and uh, his dad and uh, my great uncle Dick, who was a, a U.S. senator and the governor of Georgia himself, were all SAE. So I had some ties there and it just seemed like a, a better fit at the time. Well, I can understand that. Uh, I, I guess I forgot about that little problem that the Fidel's had. Now they're a great fraternity and SAE has always yes. been a great fraternity and has a, a great legacy by all standards. Uh, I, I'm glad you went that route. I just forgot about that particular time. Uh, but I'm glad you went up there and and had the opportunity to really uh, join a fraternity that you can live with for the rest of your life uh, because they have, like I said, a great legacy. All right. Uh, you're just building this uh, career uh, all the time, from the time you're in elementary school to the time it really caught on, I guess, at UGA, uh, and with uh, some of the r- recordings that you had. You did do some recordings, I guess, at that point. 
uh, and some of them were at Vegas Studios where you're being uh, uh, recorded from today. Uh, but then uh, something really happened. Uh, now, we're going to talk about the triumph, not so much about the tragedy, but how did you learn that you had a real serious uh, cancer? Well, it kind of it kind of happened in uh, two stages. I uh, one uh, weekend, uh, I just had like a really bad uh, back pain in my lower back, and I couldn't really figure out what it was. And I went to the the doctor, and uh, my platelets uh, were super low, and uh, it was. It was strange, but the doctors at the UGA Health Center said this isn't uncommon, uh, you know, especially for those who might be, uh, you know, drinking and stuff like that as a college student. And, uh, you know, in the the Greek scene, there was a fair amount of that going on. So they just kind of put that on, uh, you know, uh, drinking and they, they made me, you know, monitor it for a month and a half, two months. And go back and get blood tests and my platelets were, you know, slowly going up, but not quite exactly where they needed to be. And, uh, and then, uh, I went to class one morning and had a, a really bad pain in my shoulder and something just felt wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on or maybe I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke i it was just a really weird feeling and dad said don't mess around you know call an ambulance and they took me to uh saint mary's and uh i got more blood work done and uh my white blood cell count uh was super uh super high uh which was an indicator of uh leukemia and luckily uh, one of my old classmates at Franklin County, uh, Garrett Cheek, his mom, uh, Tina, who worked at St. Mary's, saw the test results and called my parents immediately and said, uh, y'all need to go, you know, seek help uh, ASAP. All and right. uh, went to Emory that day and uh, they confirmed it. Okay. Now, what what type of uh, cancer was that? Uh- uh, again, it 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 was uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, ALL, which is uh, known mostly as being, uh, you know, like a child, uh, you know, cancer. It, it affects mostly, uh, you know, small small children. Uh, fortunately, though, at the time, as far as a a, a, diag- a diagnosis, it was better than having AML which is more of the, you know, adult-set leukemia, which is uh, tougher to combat. Well, you went through six months of chemotherapy and radiation treatments, and I know I did call your dad, and I, I prayed for you. Uh, I, I really felt uh, that some way, somehow, this would be a miracle, and, and it was a miracle. Uh, and what made it a miracle for you? Well, you know, six six months of uh chemo and and radiation and just the the uncertainty about uh you know me being able to to get through it uh you know i just uh i I wasn't you know at 20 24 years old i wasn't ready to uh you know go out yet and uh they did some tests about halfway through and 
found out that I had a genetic marker in my leukemia that was going to be, uh, you know, harder to push back, you know, just with basic chemo treatment. And they said, you got to have a bone marrow transplant. And so all of those months of uh, therapy were basically preparing my body and destroying all of the bone marrow uh, to allow for me to take the bone marrow transplant. And they said, you know, as a Caucasian male, it shouldn't be too difficult to find a match. And, uh, you know, they searched for a month or two months and came back and said, you know, they can't find a match for me. And, of course, uh, you know, that was tough news to hear. Uh, but there was uh, another option, and that was to use, uh, you know, stem cells from, uh, you know, umbilical cord blood. Uh, and luckily, they found two uh, cord blood units from two little girls in Germany. Good grief. And uh, that is that is uh, the source of uh, the stem cells that saved my life. Had to go all the way to Germany. That's just amazing. And, boy, you're talking about having to have a lot of patience and a, a lot of uh, knee pads. I call them knee pads when you've got to get down on your knees and really pray for help because you don't see the uh, the option to get well at those point periods of time. But it certainly worked for you. You've, you've been in remission or whatever you call it uh, for, what, six or seven years now? Um, almost. Uh... I guess six, six and a half years now. So, so I am, uh, uh, technically a survivor. You're a survivor after five years. Well, being a survivor. And, and again, I think you took tragedy, uh, into triumph and into a giving back opportunity. And so you did some things, um, in Athens, I think that really showed your emotion and your opportunity to give back. What were those, uh, in the form of concerts or what did you do? Yes, sir. So when when I was in the uh, the hospital going through all this stuff, uh, one of my classmates at UGA, Shay O'Toole, she put together a uh, you know like a a fundraiser in my honor, uh, where she put together a concert that included uh, my music business professor David Barbie and uh, two of my favorite bands uh, at the time performed there. And uh, I also performed that night, uh, you know, I didn't have a hair on my head. And uh, after that first concert, uh, I kind of took the reins. And for the next three years, I put on uh, this concert series called the Classic City Showcase, uh, where I booked, uh, you know, local bands uh, and uh, that I that I knew about and friends that I had. And uh you know, got SAE and uh, Ki-Fi and KA, Sigma Nu, uh, PG, and maybe one or two others that are slipping my mind right now. But we did it for three years and raised over $15,000. And also I got uh, the Be The Match organization involved, and which is uh, basically they take swabs uh, from people and send them off to the labs, uh, you know, to potentially match them uh, with people just like me who also are looking, were looking for a match and needed help. Uh, well, and I did that for three years, and that that's that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And you are a net giver, 
a lot of people are net takers, but you're definitely a giving back type person, and I applaud you for that and give you more than kudos for it. All right, so moving on, you went to you gone to Nashville, one of the best places in the world, the music city of the the country. Uh, what's going on up there with the music scene? Well, you know, the music scene is, uh, I would say, coming back in uh, full force. You know, uh, COVID certainly uh, took a big toll on on the music scene just because, uh, you know, live music halted. Uh, and when I first moved up here, I had aspirations of pursuing my music, uh, but I got a job with uh, this company called William Morris Endeavor, which was a, a booking agency. And, you know, they book everybody from uh, Chris Stapleton to John Mayer to, you know, Eric Church, any big country star you could think of, they they book them. And uh, they told me that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do both. I couldn't pursue my music and work that job because it was a conflict of interest but uh the pandemic hit and uh you know we all got uh laid off and so i I took that opportunity to start pursuing my music and uh i put out my first three song uh ep in august of 2020 called devil get behind me and uh that was kind of the start and since then i put out four or five uh more songs and uh you know, I've been uh, practicing and honing my craft, and I uh, got my first uh, gig coming up August 3rd at uh, this place called Doghouse in Midtown. So uh, the, scene, the scene is good. It's lively, and uh, I'm really looking forward to being more a part of it as uh, time goes on. We're talking with Russell Vandiver, who has beaten cancer. He beat cancer, and then he decided to give back in the form of concerts. And now he's an accomplished uh, musician. He's in Nashville, and he's going places. I can assure you of that. Uh, the, the, there's some new music music that you put out. Uh, tell us what those three songs are. Yeah, so I just put out uh, three new singles uh, this past uh, month and a half. Uh, one of them was called Nashville, I Love You. And uh, the other one was Cruising. And the last one I put out was called let love rule this land. And, uh, you know, there's there's certainly stories behind all three. I don't know how much time you got, Red Ant. Well, give me the best story of the three. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you know, cruising, uh, you know, past uh, six or seven months, uh, my girlfriend is uh, a vice principal at a high school here in Nashville, and uh, she was working remotely, and uh, so we had lots of opportunities to uh, take trips and, uh, you know, we took lots of trips to Chattanooga and Florida and so forth and so on. And that song is just kind of about, uh, you know, being out on the road and the ins and outs of, uh, you know, traveling. And, you know, that's the story behind that song. And, you know, Nashville, I love you. That's pretty uh, straightforward. It's just uh, my affection for the city I've been in over the past two years. and. Uh, Let Love Rule This Land, which I think is uh, probably the one that means the most to me out of these three, is, uh, you know, I was just, you know, feeling, you know, through the election and uh, COVID and everything else, you know, it's just, uh, there's just a lot of division in the world and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, hate and uh, it just seemed like, uh, 
the world was just kind of a mess. And, and that song is just about coming together uh, with your fellow man and uh, woman. And, uh, you know, just, you know, like the song title says, letting love rule this land and, you know, uh, politics and differences aside, you know, just uh, just show it, showing love, you know, showing love to your neighbor and, uh, you know, just doing the best you can to help everybody, you know, feel happy and uh, happy and loved. Well, we don't do a lot of politics on this uh, podcast, nor do we do a whole lot of hardcore religion, you might say, but we are a spiritual inspiring podcast. Let love rule this land, big time, cruising. There was another song similar to that many, many years ago. And Nashville, I love you. All right, we've just got a few minutes left here. Uh, again, we're talking to Russell Vandiver, uh, who is a musician. Uh, he's a, a miracle, in my opinion, and he's also a person who cares about other people. Now, there's another thing that you care about. It's called Georgia football. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, uh, growing up with all my family being uh, UGA alumni, I was uh, born into the red and black. And, uh, you know, I I really got deep into Georgia football, uh, probably, you know, during the Mark Rick era of 2001, 2002. And uh, my dad took me to uh, the Sugar Bowl there in New Orleans. And uh, from there, I was just hooked, man. I've, I've followed the dogs, uh, you know, very closely, uh, you know, for the past, you know, 15 to 18 years or however long it's been since 2002. And, uh, you know, this, this new Kirby smart era is, is, uh, probably, uh, you know, the best time to be a dog, uh, in my life. And I think, uh, my dad agree. And I think there's a bright future for us in the next, uh, you know, five, five years. I think we're going to be hard to handle. And I'm certainly a Georgia football fan. I, for many, many years, uh, I never missed a home game, even though I live in, was living out of town. And I used to literally shed tears when Georgia would lose. Uh, so I am a red and black fan forever and looking forward to this season. Uh, Russell, we have really enjoyed talking with you today, and we may get you back again as you progress with your musical um, opportunities out there. But uh, if you had one thing to say, that would say that your story projects hope. Could you do that for us? Well, first I would say, uh, you know, never give up. But what I learned, uh, you know, most from my uh, cancer experience is that uh, life is not, uh, you know, a certainty. We are not promised, uh, you know, another day other than the one we're living in right now. And you know, life is also short. You never know when it might be taken away. So you need to live each and every single day with a burning desire and passion and, uh, you know, make, make the most of it. And, uh, you know, that would, that would probably be, be my biggest takeaway right there. Well, that's a very big one. And it just puts us all in a position to understand that you can't embrace the future if you're focused on the past. And you simply embrace every day, as I do, and look forward to the future without looking back at the past. I, I certainly 
respect you for that, respect your career, respect your whole family. And uh, we've just been honored to have you on today. And uh, we look forward to hearing many more of your songs and uh, maybe in another concert in Athens at some point in the future. Thank you so much, Russell. Hey, thank you, Danny. I really appreciate you having me on. And I appreciate you calling me Red Ant. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Be safe. Talk to you again soon. All right. You as well. Thank you. Subscribe to our social media and share your stories on the HopeWithDanny.com website. Remember, it's all about hope. I'm your host, Danny Daniel. This episode was recorded at Vega Studios.